Like what you hear, but not yet an AEI premium member? Go to aei.ag premium to sign up for the free trial today. Welcome. Thanks for joining us again this week. It's David and Brent joining you for this episode of Ag Uncertainties, our weekly recording for AEI Premium subscribers, talking about things that are on our minds and tying them back to the Ag Forecast Network question. And Brent, one of the big uncertainties that's been out there in production ag, especially in the Midwest, are farmland values, cash rental rates, and really being driven by strong commodity prices, strong income in this low interest rate environment. And we got a new piece of the puzzle, that was the Purdue Survey of Indiana Farmland Values, came out this week, and the headline was up 14%. And that was a big number. I guess it seemed like a big number, but we've been thinking about this for quite a while. So Brent, what was your first take at the report and the number? I wasn't real surprised. I think my forecast is up around 80% that we'd go over 10% increase. And the interesting thing in that is I wasn't even as confident. There are other forecaster more confident than I was. I did finish in, I think I was in the 87th percentile or something, but I didn't get in the top 10%. Wasn't surprised to see the number up there. Things pretty good in farm country. I think the thing, David, you and I were talking about a little bit is that the cash rent number that came in with that was uh, not as strong. And so the capitalization rate is down to 2.7%, which is pretty low. A lot that uh, we're going to write about in the coming weeks. This is a you know a good data set. It goes back a long time. Brent and I use these data for quite a bit, so we'll write a, a several posts. But again, a lot of moving pieces here. I thought I had a pretty good forecast going into this. I was in the 67th percentile, so Brent beat me on his score here. But I think the takeaway here is there's a lot of folks. This was a very popular question in the forecast network, but about a quarter of you had forecasts an 80% or higher probability here in the final weeks of this. So a lot of you had strong forecasts and we wrote an article recapping and looked at some of the top scores. And there's a lot of lenders and real estate experts in there who made the top of the list. So it was a very popular question. And a lot of you maybe who were thinking about this more than, than the rest of us had some insights, but this is a great example of a question that makes the forecast network really valuable in our opinion. It's We opened this up back in January 10% seemed like a big number, but we wrote a lot of content to help frame up that uncertainty. And in the past, we've gone over 15% annual increases four times in the last decade. 15% or higher movements is kind of not uncommon. And you can also see how the consensus has changed over time and how our expectations individually have changed. But then finally, when this piece of news came out, a lot of folks who weren't following this question as closely saw this as breaking news and they're sort of reacting to it. But I guess those of us in the Forecast Network saw this as sort of a piece of the puzzle that they were waiting on to put together. And so uh, I think that's really important to remember is that if you're following these things, the headlines take on a whole new meaning when you're sort of thinking about it ahead of time versus just reacting to it. That's a really good point. You know, that's a big increase, though. We were talking about it a little bit offline. I mean, dollar-wise, that's a big number. Over $1,000 an acre increase, wasn't it? And uh, About 1200 yeah. So, yeah, it's a big number uh, on an already big base. So we're going to watch that because I think, my opinion, the market's going to be real strong into the fall and the next spring as well. 
we'll keep you updated on that. And of course, there's going to be some more USDA data that comes out at national level trends. So we'll have some good national level data coming up here. But there's going to be a string of headlines coming up about farmland values. So just buckle up and get prepared for that. We also have a couple articles. Jeff did a really great article updating the yield project that he does weekly, but also took a look at what's been going on with the weather. And June was indeed dry. He found it was in the 24th percentile. So 75% of the time it's wetter than we saw in June. But interestingly, from that USDA model that wasn't dry enough to penalize yields, at least in that model. So it was interesting to frame that up a little bit. But we also took a look at, I look at the magnitude of the drought conditions. It's no secret, things are dry out there and droughty. And so there's kind of two designations, dry versus drought conditions. And we went out and sort of sized it up and looked at, I think the headline could be 35% of US corn acres are in drought conditions. And that kind of captures a lot of headline or captures a lot of appeal. But, and it's the highest that we've seen in sort of recent memory. But it's about half of what it was back in 2012. So it's all relative to how we frame that up. But one of the takeaways I think is really important, and we looked at this for corn and soybeans, but we're a long ways away from this idea of below trend yields. 2012 is a kind of an outlier in the data, but there are several years, 2005, six, and seven all stand out of years that had a similar amount of dryness or drought conditions, but had yields come in at or even above trend to finalize the year. So we're working and thinking a lot about drought maps. We're working on an article in this case, but just trying to help you think a little bit about how you convert information you might see on Twitter into actionable insights. And this is one way that we sort of try to provide some background and some benchmarking that you can think about. The bottom line is do not get caught into that trap of saying, well, it's 32% of the countries in drought. We're going to be way below trend and that historical data do not support that conclusion. That's not to say it couldn't be well below trend. It's just saying that that alone uh, in and of itself is not sufficient to guarantee that uh, we're going to be way, way below trend on corn or soybean yields. Drought seems to be that thing that's really skewed. When it gets really bad, really has a big impact on yields 2012. The question is whether this is really bad. For some of us, it's really bad, but for others, it's it's not as big a problem. So don't get caught into that trap of seeing that visual map and assuming that it's all going to be bad. It's hard to navigate that. Droughts are bad. This is a question of how bad. And I think the other thing that matters is trend yields are kind of average. And so we're always going to have things that pull us down from the very tippy top potential. And so this idea of you always have to have some bad things going on to hit average. And have we reached a sufficient threshold to pull yields even below that average? So you always got to think about what is the starting point for our expectations for yields? And if you start at average, that's already taken out some of those, those top end potentials. August 12th, here in a couple of weeks, is the next USDA reports, the WASD report, but also the NAS yield estimates. We're going to pose a few forecast network questions about that, the probability of those estimates coming in above 177 for corn. So the 179.5 is where the USDA is now. And then, of course, uh, on soybeans, 49.5 bushels, probability of above that. And that's a bushel lower than where the USDA is at today. And it's interesting because Brent and I were talking about this a little bit, is there are the market expectations, and then there's sort of the outcome. And we have to step back and really think about where's the market and then where are our expectations? Because 
you have a scenario where the balance sheets gets tighter because they pull yields down a little bit, but did they pull them down enough to reach the market's expectations? I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation we see in the next few weeks. That conversation is really going to heat up. And as the weather you know, continues to evolve, there's going to be lots and lots of debate about all of these things. Stay analytical, I think, on it and not emotional. We'll share a link to this in upcoming articles, but these August estimates that are going to come out, they're far from final. There are times in history where the USDA moves corn yields by 10 bushel or more, and soybeans, it's very open-ended for soybeans. So we still kind of have to keep our emotions checked, but we always have to realize, where is this corn crop moving? I've been encouraging folks to think back a year ago. What were you forecasting about above or below trends a year ago, and then where are you today? Most cases, the consensus is lower today than it was a year ago of above trend yields, but it's still not a slam dunk guarantee. And so we got to keep thinking about that as we move through the growing season. It's always hard. There's always so much uncertainty, but the narrative this year has seemed to always lean toward below trend. I wasn't always 100% sure why that was the case. As you said, you know, it wasn't overly dry in June. The crop was planted in a pretty timely manner. So we'll just see how it evolves. And remember, you know, those there can be big changes from August estimate. This year, it's just survey, this first one, right, David? It's not going to include... Grower surveys, now. yeah. It's not going to include any kind of, oh, I want to say ground truthing, but that's not the right, you know, they're not going to actually go out and measure years and things and count pods until later. Well, that's all we have for this week. We have a, a lot of articles that we've been working on and drafting, so stay tuned for next week. We've been, I guess, as a tease, we've been working on an article about sizing up the China situation, so a lot of chatter and commentary around China, and of course, China's been a big part of the demand story, so we've been stepping back a little bit and looking into the data for that. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk about that as we get it wrapped up in future episodes, but in the meantime, stay curious. Thank you. <laughs>